Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Welcome back to Why Though. We are pumped to be with you this Thursday, another sunny Thursday in most all of the United States of America. I think there might be some rainstorms somewhere in Florida at 2 p.m. I don't know. For 30 minutes. it's very sunny. For 30 (laughs) minutes. You're soaked to death. You know what? Florida, I got to say to florida several times and i've yet to see a crocodile this was my big plan whoa how's that where are you going in florida that you haven't seen a crocodile that's crazy i've never gone to florida and not seen a crocodile really yeah oh wow where are you going you must be going to to disney world (laughs) right that makes sense they don't want they don't want the kids to get eaten so they you know they mind their business that's good you know what? They weren't, else, though, for that minute. Do you, you remember that a few years ago when that kid at Disney World was eaten in front of the yeah. Grand Floridian? I was that devastated. But they definitely got it on lock since then. Yes. Um, no, I haven't. Wait a second. You're saying you've just, like, seen them mind in their business or you've been, like, at an alligator farm? No. Like, most, most places that you go will have, you know, alligators. Or there's, like, a big sign just, like, when you see rattlesnakes on a hike, you know, the um, – you'll see the same thing for alligators. So there'll be like a, a little bridge inside of, you know, an outdoor mall that has restaurants and things like that. But there'll be an alligator in there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And it's super normal. Yeah. It's not like oh. people aren't too stressed about it. You know, it's just like a thing that happens. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, <laughs> note to self. All of our friends in Florida, I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to make it because <laughs> of the gator situation. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I we definitely, Eastern Washington, we've got that rattlesnake problem, but that's a, yes. that's a whole other thing. Which but, I okay. think is worse. Rattlesnakes are worse, for sure. I think it's all awful. I think a yeah. spider in my shower is terrifying. Yeah. So <laughs> rattlesnakes and alligators, they're all... Yeah, those apex predators. I mean, I'm not saying a spider in my shower is an apex predator, but the other two, I'm, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna take a smoke break. I'm gonna take five. (laughs) I'm gonna gather my thoughts. I can't do it. I can't do it. (laughs) Well, Ashley, as we are in this surviving summer series, your children's summer is coming to an end. It is. So soon. In California, many places are starting school. Some start next week, but we start this week. So that's good. So when this airs, you'll be off to the first day of school. Yes. Thursday. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you're like, you've, you hit up the target. You got all your school shopping done, all that. You're done. Ready? We're not ready. No, I got to do school supplies, but that's because they haven't sent out the list because the teachers just started last week since we have such an early start. So they send us the school supply list, I think, tomorrow. But other than that, we're good to go. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I have still, like, 20-ish days. Yeah. So summer still feels like it's in, you know, next year. Mm-hmm. I mean, excuse me, school <laughs> still feels like it's next year. I'm not – I have not wrapped my mind around that yet. That no, makes sense. I feel like all bit. the moms with older kids are like, it cannot come soon enough. Like, I hung out with some moms over mm-hmm. the weekend, and yep. one of them was like – I'm counting down the days. You know, she's only got five days, but she's like, I'm counting them down. I'm ready to go. (laughs) No, but you guys get out really early, right? Like May. We don't, actually. Yeah, California only has like, um, or LA, maybe it's different in other parts of California, but we only have about eight weeks off. So it's a big change because New York had 
um, 12 weeks off. So that's a very yeah. long summer. Um, they, they don't go back till after Labor Day and they end, I think, early June. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely different to me. The summer has felt very, very short and not long at all. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So I'm not like, yes, get out of my house. I know a lot of moms are, but I'm like, it hasn't been that long for us actually. Like if I've liked having my kids home, I'm sorry to say it's been great. (laughs) Sorry to say. (laughs) Yeah. Um, well, all of our British listeners, welcome to the American school system. We all know you don't get done till the end of July and you just have August off, but here we're trying to figure out, I mean, ways to keep our kids busy you know new york 12 we have yeah. 10 i did the math after you mentioned you guys had eight yeah six would be the dream for me i really like the british system and then it's like every six to eight weeks they have a week off yeah but it's built into how they you know everybody's used to it they're all on that same term um school term so it, it, it works quite nice but right I'm like, uh, and my, as my husband as a former educator he's like you spend the whole first month doing review rather than teaching new material because of course. they've all forgotten and he's like it's such a hard way to to start your year because you're just trying to get kids caught up rather than that happening in the middle of the year. So right. he's very much for the, <laughs> you know what though? I heard Texas is doing that. There's some school districts in Texas that are doing the six week summer. Yeah. I think it depends on the school. Like my, um, my brother and his wife and their daughter have, um, have, you know, a very short summer as well. I, I want to mm. say it's like a month or something. She does like a year round school. So they definitely still have that option available in some places. Where um, is that? Where, where that, do you, what's they're in North Carolina. Oh, in North Carolina. Um, okay. But it's not every school district doesn't do it. So it's different schools that offer a year round option. Um, and that does happen across the U.S. So I could imagine that being good for a lot of people. We also have a lot of days off here in California. So even though our summers are very short, same thing, like you said, you know, we, we have extra breaks and they only go to school till 12 on Fridays. And, you know, so I feel I'm like sorry. they find other Is ways that a, to make that's up That's every time. Friday or once Every Friday. Every Friday. Till they're, noon. they're done at 12. Yep. Every grade. So they definitely find ways to work around that short yeah. summer. They build yeah. it back into your you know, the, the days off and they always have planning days or this random holiday. And you know, <laughs> so you I feel guys, like we do have a lot of time off during the year. Not joking. I remember during Christmas break, your kids didn't go back till like the 10th, January 10th or something yeah, like that. It's it a was long break. It's like two or three, <laughs> two or three weeks or something. Oh man. Which in Ooh. some ways we love because we travel. Yeah. But totally. if you don't, you know, it's like, Oh my God, get me out of here, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it can be long. I will say that first week of January is re- usually really, really inexpensive travel because most people are back to work, back yes. to school. So having that week, considering the week between Christmas and New Year, it's like $1,000 to go to Idaho. You know, like right. it's got to be nice to <laughs> be able to go somewhere that week and have yes. it just stretch out. I like that. I like that. Well, why the listeners, we have had such a rich summer of guests and conversation around everything from what we're cooking to what we're wearing to how we're managing our time to rhythms. And we just wanted to take a second to do a little bit of a recap and what we've gleaned and what we hope um, you can glean from some of these conversations that have taken place. I know it's been richly rewarding for me, and I'm excited that we have had such such diverse guests who bring such unique gifts and wisdom to the table. It's been such a fun summer. And I think, you know, it. I don't know about you, Tiffany, but definitely coming out of the last couple of years, too. And I know this isn't true for everyone. Like I said, some people pretended like COVID didn't exist, but for about six months. So, you know. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Los Angeles went way too hardcore for two years straight. And I think that coming out of the last couple of years, the particular guests that we've had, like having a therapist, having a yeah. life planner, having yeah. someone who's an expert in building friendships, like those types of things I think felt really helpful for the summer and also for where where we're going in the future. Because I think those are things everybody's trying to work out. Like, what does it look like with the new work situation for most people? Um, what does it look like to have, you know, family, friends, community, you know, post everything that just happened the last few years? So I feel like the guests have been super helpful and practical, like in a really good way. Yeah, and what can I lobby and ask for and what do I deserve in this new season? For many of us who can do hybrid work, I think how much your life has changed drastically from February, March 2020 to now, Ashley, it's like a completely different state, different house, different everything. Like we're different people. Mm-hmm. We've grown in these last couple of years. I, I had a uh, some friends over for dinner the other night and they were saying, we're coming out of the fog, like just now coming out of the fog. And I would say that summer, that, that resonated with me too This for this summer. Like I'm like thinking critically or like thinking of how I want things to be or like, wait, mm-hmm. do I even like this? And I so appreciated Chanel's point of view of, you know, so many of us, you know, in your thirties leading up to your forties, you're like, wait, I'm miserable. Do I like this? Do I want this? Mm-hmm. Cause I can change certain things. I can't change it all. But what can I change and what can I do? And so I really appreciated just that, that ability to be like, wait a second, just that like, stop, rewind, wait a second. Is this working? Do do I want this? Um, Because many of us were just now able to grapple. And, 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 and for some of you, summer 2021, you were already back in action and well done. You get, you Mm -hmm. go get it. Good for you. But some of us were, we're, we're lagging. And I was, I was on the, (laughs) on the slower side of recovering from all the things. And so being able to identify. Um, so first I was thinking when we had Shasta front intimacy, I was so struck by those three values that make up a healthy friendship and listeners, if you hadn't had a chance to go back and listen, we're going to do a little, little recap. Um, but the idea that in friendship, it takes consistent, positive and vulnerable and the idea, uh, vulnerable values in a friendship, yeah. those have to be there and and the idea that friendships are satisfying and for those of us who've been in the faith or 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 were in family situations or school situations or codependent situations where we felt like if it doesn't taste like codependency I'm not comfortable with it because it's all I know I think that really struck a chord with me of like no I don't <laughs> we don't have to put ourselves in situations where we're constantly the ones running dry yes. now of course we're in situations where we love and we're serving and when we can frame it as such that's a healthy way and going yeah. into it with our tank full. But the idea that satisfying, seen, belonging, and some of these basic values that we think what makes going the distance, oh, 200 hours of positive, consistent, vulnerable engagement. Like, yeah, what a valuable metric, you know? Absolutely. She was so uh, wonderful in offering very clear pathways for people to think about friendship. And I do think that we all are raised with this sort of, you know, I don't know. I think that we are taught what friendship is and it's not always true. And you're taught Mm -hmm. what loyalty is and that's not always Mm -hmm. true. And you're taught what it means to, you know, stay in a relationship, even if another person has changed. And you're like, wait a minute, I don't know if this is good anymore. (laughs) Or like I've changed and they're still the same. So I don't know if it's good anymore. You know, like I think that 
evaluating through all those different lenses, I felt like she really gave us a way to do that and, and how to fight for a relationship when you decide, yes, I do want to be in this. And what does that look like for me to cultivate these things? And I thought that that was really sweet too. Like she didn't give people any excuses to just dump out of relationships either. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I thought she was really just healthy. Obviously she wrote a book about this, so she's really an expert, but <laughs> I really enjoyed that. You guys will love that episode if you didn't get oh, to hear it. Oh, <laughs> so good. Uh, one other thing that really struck me was the idea that as friendships morph, evolve, and change, it doesn't mean you've necessarily done something wrong. Right. That's and exactly the idea right. that after seven years, 50% of your closest yeah. friend circle has likely um, shifted out and yep. new people have shifted in. Yep. Like we need to hear that as women because yep. yep. we can so easily feel like we have done something wrong or there's something wrong with us. And and right. I'm not saying don't get healthy. Go get changes that heal by Henry Cloud. We know, you know, do, do your work. But at the same time, be okay that things have changed. And I think that can, for those of us who are like the deeply loyal and even like you were saying that loyalty, our definition might be off. Like that was huge for me. I've yeah. heard defining these terms that we all use and we've used them interchangeably for other definitions. I think mm-hmm. being able to all have that starting, that starting ground of no, what, what does health look like? It's okay that people have moved out of your life or other people have moved in. It doesn't mean you're, you're bad. You're a bad friend. Um, one of the things that also struck me was this idea that chemistry in the beginning doesn't equate to long-term success. Chemistry just gives us this idea of like, no, I'm willing to keep digging. I'm willing to keep going. In the in the short term, it doesn't indicate any sort of long-term connection or how a friendship will thrive. So I thought that was really fascinating as well because so many of us think, oh, it's all on chemistry, and that's not the case. No it's way. just what keeps us going in the in the in the first bit. I love that because I'm like allergic to chemistry is how I feel. Cody makes fun of me for this oh, all the on. time. But mean? when I initially like <laughs> jive with some, not, not always, like there's some that I just know like, okay, this is going to be, there's a good sense of connection here that's probably going to go the distance potentially. And I can have a sense of that in my heart. But if it just feels like a little electric, I'm like, something's, let's wait a minute. Like I like to take a beat and be thoughtful and really like consider if that's, if that's a thing. Um, that's and I discernment. Think, that's got to be more of a spiritual gift. This it is. A, it this might is be. A, I think it is. It might be. Yeah, You're that is true. Because I do have a gut thing that yeah. goes off in me. That's true. Good point. Um, but it's been helpful to me because I. Yes, mm-hmm. it's been helpful in dating. And I also know that once I'm in, I'm in. So I'm mm-hmm. here for the ups and downs and all the ins and outs. And some people aren't like that. They like get really close really fast, and that feels great. And then they figure out if you want to stay friends. And yeah. I'm the opposite <laughs> of that. I'm like, no. Let's see. There's a vibe. But let's see. Like, is this vibe trustworthy? Is this a vibe? that's going to be vulnerable is this a vibe that can go the distance you know like, yeah. I like to take a minute <laughs> oh I think that is just everyone write that down that's just a word of wisdom I I am a very friendly person and, <laughs> and I no I'm, I'm just gonna say it I think forgive me if this is too vulnerable on a podcast with thousands of people but sometimes people are like, oh, I can vibe with you. And I'm like, I'm just kind. Like, I'm just totally. I think yeah. there's a vibe here. Yeah. I just have social skills. Like, I think. Right. A, I might agree be a with different you. There. And then that people come in hot too. and heavy and like. Yes. And wanting to. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. And then yes. I'm on that other end of like. Uh, and it's not. I wouldn't say it's because I'm like discerning it's because i'm like oh i don't maybe i should maybe i i i'm glad i made you feel comfortable but i don't know that there's something so again forgive me people for i just am like whoa i think you're awesome 
but this that yeah I sometimes get overwhelmed by that yeah I think that's a real thing that happens to to people even if they aren't people pleasers I think if you're a person who can create safe space and make people feel good about themselves like those positive interactions that Shasta talked about talked about you know like when you create those positive experiences together you want more of them so I think that that is totally normal even if you aren't dealing with people pleasing (laughs) you know I think that you're right it's just one of those it's attractive it's one of those things that makes you want to go deeper with someone and so I can understand that for sure (laughs) totally and and of course graceful about it and Mm -hmm. learning to volley back and forth but still it's that thing of like but yeah, I think for how you handle those people coming in hot and heavy is such discernment. And me, I'm like, I'm going to crawl in a hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I think the lesson we're learning from here is incremental connection there. And yes. I loved, um, and in her book, she I reread her book this summer. Uh, excuse me, I listened to it. I read it the first time and then I listened to it this time. Um, and I really appreciated how she talks about incremental growth because we all yeah. want those deep friendships. But those aren't microwave. Those are slow roasted in the Dutch oven. And so how to be incrementally vulnerable, I think, is a really, really good muscle that we can all strengthen. So Mm -hmm. you're going to want to check out her book for that. Um, Next, who do we have? We had Keisha Polonio. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. What a gift, that Keisha. So, so, so good. Just dealing with our mental health this summer is so, so powerful. One of the... One of the values I really gleaned is how I can easily think, oh, things are going so great. I don't need these rhythms right now. Everything's right. in a good place. I don't need, or even <laughs> certain vitamins, like, no, I'm fine. I don't need this right now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that that is not helpful. And I, there's obviously the basic things I do every day that keep my head above water, but to really, really find a holy survival mode, which I think is just as good as as thriving, Honestly, I think survival is holy and righteous and good. So the those rhythms that we can do to take care of ourselves, they don't need to go on hiatus ever because we're not mm-hmm. talking about consumerism self-care. We're talking about self-care as a habit and as a rhythm mm-hmm. and as something that is good and doesn't have to have a dollar sign attached to it. Totally. I appreciated Keisha's approach because she's so, she's so smart and does so many things with, you know, women of color and has this beautiful arm of her practice that helps women overcome racial trauma and all these mm-hmm. different things. But she really just distilled everything down to these very simple daily practices. And I loved when she was like, no, none of this is rocket science. It's just yeah. like, you know, not to, she didn't say this, but basically we're keeping the wheels on the bus and keeping everything turning. You know, it's like mm-hmm. getting an oil change and filling up your car yes. with gas. Like it's just it's the things that you do to prevent bad things happening or to, and, and when you have that sort of stability, when you go through difficult times, you keep doing those things because they've just become habitual. And so I really liked her perspective on that, um, that that's what she chose to focus on in our conversation, even though she could have taken us 2 million directions. I thought that that was so incredibly helpful and even making therapy a regular practice for those who can. I thought that was a great encouragement too. nothing, nothing being stigmatized, but just like, Hey, here's, here's what people need right now. And here's how to keep that in your life. And I thought she was really, really helpful. Yeah, I think especially in communities of color where therapy is still, just as you said, so, so, so stigmatized and seen as such a taboo and something's like deeply wrong with you and you're broken and um, unable to be healed. There, there's that, especially in the brown community. So I was really, really, really appreciative of her passionate about 
racial trauma and healing as a black woman. It just, it was just glorious. So, so, mm-hmm. so, so, so. She is amazing. So good. And so I encourage you, even heading into the fall here as the seasons change, thinking about how those rhythms can stay rooted, but still morph to fit your life. I think that that is so necessary. And there's one rhythm that I felt like, oh, this, everybody can define it differently. And I, I still struggle as a woman who's taught to do everything and make everything happen of like, do what you love, like do what you love, whatever that may be, just make time to do what you love and how much we come alive in that. And that can be take a walk, read on the back porch, have some iced coffee. I don't care what that looks like. Like however small or big that means to you, maybe you like to try new places to eat, whatever the case may be, like making time and margin and just mental space to do what you love and how that will richly, richly bless you. And I think yeah. it's, I think it's compound interest. I think it grows exponentially and can just be a blessing far beyond what we would think of the investment to make time for that. Absolutely. I think that's spot on <clears throat> and really important. I love that COVID seemed to sort of help people explore stuff. I mean, you could see the trends on oh, social yeah. media, whether it was, sourdough. you know, dancing TikToks <laughs> or it was baking sourdough or becoming yeah. a plant person, you know, like we could see yeah. the trends like kind of come across. But it was this thing where it's like, wow, I, when I when I'm stripped of the things that I thought mattered to me, like people's mm. work or their friendships. And of course, all those things are very meaningful and they absolutely do matter. But when you're stripped of them, what's left? And for for many people, I think we all had to take a look back and go, wait a minute, what are the things that really make me come alive and what are the things that I might like to try that maybe didn't work in the past or that feel good to my soul even though they don't matter to anyone but me you know and I think many people had to do that I have a friend who she constantly is talking about how um, really creative people are always working on something they're failing at and I love that practice so she paints on the side for fun yeah and she's just the worst at it and I I relate like I've got a couple of practices like that that I think like I'm really bad at this but it's so good for my soul to do it and just the reminder that we're creative beings and that our value is not in what we do or what we can accomplish or what we can how we can perform for other people I think that's really beautiful too something that came out of the last couple of years that I've noticed with people that's really beautiful I love that I want to circle back because that was so profound doing what you love it doesn't mean someone else benefits like it yeah. doesn't mean it, no. it nobody else gleans from this. It's just right. for you. I think that, that that can feel so selfish and it's so not. It's, it's so, not so, at all. So not. Yeah. So not. You know, that's especially true for like caretakers and people who are yeah. in, you know, nonprofit or maybe ministry roles. I think you have to remind yourself, like, it's okay to build your life and it's okay yeah. to build your family and it's okay to build the things that you love. And not all of it has to land in helping someone, <laughs> you know, like yeah. help yourself, help your family, help your future, yeah. you know, like as much as you're a friend to other people's future, I think we all have to be a friend to our own future and make decisions that are going to, you know, swell our life with the things that we yeah. care about in love mm. also real talk how many of us know and i know you all raise your hand in your car maybe in the shower if like me if that's where you listen to your podcast <laughs> or we're doing laundry whatever the case may be how many of we all know people who are in the helping professions or ministry and everything around them has just withered their their relationships their family yeah. and because they've laid it all on the line for this one thing and there yeah. hasn't been that healthy harmony that yep. could be happening within their life so we don't want to yeah yeah. And, and I think mothers can fall into, just as you said, oh, yeah, 100%. caregiving, like we could easily fall into that. And it's, you're, you're just sucked of any, 
of anything life-giving for your yes. own soul. So mm. I agree with that. Take care of yourself. <laughs> Which is a good time to talk about Chanel. Yeah. Y'all, if you didn't hear this Oof. episode, for, for those of you who have listened to all of them and are like, we get it. <laughs> Hopefully this recap is helpful. But with Chanel, I just, as you guys heard last week, you know, I, I love her. She's like the kind of person that I would do anything for. And she is such a lover of, of people and has just this persona of warmth and grace and hospitality and humor. And I thought that she was so helpful in helping us really look and see like, what is the life that I want? And at what point do you realize like, oh, my miserable is no longer worth being miserable. Like I'm going to make a change now. And I loved her permission to love the things you love, um, which is sort of what we were just talking about. Like, even if it doesn't make anyone else happy, even if you built a whole career and realize I'm miserable here, (laughs) I don't want to do this career. It's not working for me. I think that that was a wonderful episode about giving you permission to love what you love and to, you know, give and be generous and be the kind person that you are, but at the same time to build a life that you want. I really loved that episode. I feel like she took the fear out of pivots, which I know we're so Mm -hmm. sick of the word pivot, but I feel like she was like, hey, pivots can be the best decision you make, however costly it might seem. Yes. On the other side, that could be the life that you want for a new season and it's not for life. And that's what I so appreciated is her being able to identify life is a, a multitude of seasons. It's not one linear path. And being able to be like, oh, I got everything I thought I wanted and I don't want this. So what do we need to do next? And beginning yeah. with the end in mind, I think is so, so, so necessary. And if we if we haven't been in spaces where that's celebrated, if you haven't been um, in a family maybe where you've seen that modeled, it can be yeah. really hard to visioneer what that could look like. Right. Really, yeah, really, really I, I agree with you. Yeah, and I definitely came up in um, the evangelical world where, you know, in my 20s, honestly, in the formative sort of adult years where I was taught that my desires are selfish and the things that I want to do are not, you know, right. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's a a very strange, first of all, it's a very strange way to do ministry for a Mm. God of freedom. Like, that's a very weird thing to do. And, you know, we don't have to spend a whole lot of time here because we understand all the reasons most of us that this happens in those types of cultures. But I really was very happy in my, you know, early to mid 30s in realizing, you know what, the things that I love to do are okay. And even though I felt behind in some ways, because Mm -hmm. I was like, I didn't spend my 20s building anything for myself. (laughs) So when I walked away, I walked away with nothing other than like freelance writing and things like that. And so when you walk away from those spaces, you realize, whoa, 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 I was building something for someone else. And that's a righteous, holy thing. I want to do that till the day I die. And at the same time, you also have to be mindful of, of what you're building and what you're cultivating in your own life and what you get to take with you for the long haul. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was really beautiful, too, Tiffany. Okay. I feel like everything you just said right there should be at every, like, church trauma conference <laughs> worldwide <laughs> because I've never had words to describe it like that. The idea that I was building something for somebody else. And then when I left, I really didn't have anything in my own backpack. I didn't have anything in my own two hands. Mm -mm. I have never, ever thought of it in those terms. And I'm like, I'm having a bit of a transcendent moment. Sorry, (laughs) people. I'm like, oh, snap. And it's kind of true for all workplaces too, I think, (sighs) right? Like. You know, even if it's not nonprofit, you know, you were probably getting paid better if you're in the corporate world and probably more benefits and things like that. But it may be more demanded of you, right? Yeah. When you walk away, you know, what what do you have? And I think this this idea of being overdoing that we circle back to, I feel like 
all the time on why though i feel like if, if it was a pillar mm-hmm. if we had pillars mm-hmm. that would be one of them and it's that it's like let, let, let my being inform my doing but also like what do i what do i build for my life and what's my legacy and what am i leaving and what am i giving and what am i imparting to people and i think those are powerful questions that we don't really get to ask when we're told that's a selfish pursuit <laughs> you know? yeah yeah i've had so many gals that i'm mentoring or or investing in in their late 20s and who are finding themselves at this impasse and being like, wait, I get to just not say yes to everyone else. Yes. <laughs> and they're, you're watching their eyes light up like, wait yeah. a second, I'm gifted and skilled beyond this sphere? Yes. Wait, what? Yes. And I got to be honest, I was the same way. Yeah. My, my late tw- I, if you would have told me, oh, you can, you can take these gifts and skills somewhere else and find a place of purpose. It, yeah. it, you are not limited to this island. I, that would have been rocket science to me, honestly. Right. And I know so many people who could resonate with that. And so, ooh, so good. The, the last thing that, um, for me, that really resonated with Chanel was this idea of liturgies and just the yes. stories we're telling ourselves right. and the mantras that we're living by. And I think uh, so many of us need this. Uh, I am somebody who vision leaks, and I think all of us could probably identify with that. And so the idea of that I have these same liturgies, these healthy, healthy, healthy liturgies, um, that I am repeating over myself. I think yeah. I, I often do that in a, maybe in the new year, I might have a word, mm-hmm. like a one word, mm-hmm. but the idea of a liturgy that can, um, ground me throughout the seasons, I found very beneficial of something mm-hmm. that I can live by. And I think the idea of liturgy has really come full circle in more evangelical charismatic mm-hmm. circles, which I really appreciate because that is so formative to our faith and the early church fathers and mothers, that's all they had yes. because they didn't have a printing press and other things that yeah. all they had was these things that they repeated to themselves. You know, you think of the Benedictine monks who yes. quoted all 150 Psalms per week. Yes. Uh, so these, these liturgies that can really, really, really help us steer the ship. And I think honestly, even in parenting, yeah. as we do family devotions or some of these things, and I'm like, okay, if they can remember just a few things, yes. what do I want that to be? You know, yeah. is it the fruit of the spirit or is it, you know, what are these stories I, I hope they're telling themselves? And so I found that really valuable to identify the liturgies that will nourish me, keep me rooted, keep me grounded, but also give me vision even on the darkest days. I love that so much. And in her book, she unpacks a little bit deeper that the disillusioned liturgies Mm, and the ones mm -hmm. that you're following without even realizing, like these Mm. sort of mantras that you're, that are just on autopilot that are not building the life that you want and that are keeping you miserable or that are keeping you disconnected, honestly, from life and not present to your body and not present to the moment and not present to your decisions. And I think that that is so powerful too, like cultivating this, this rich, you know, liturgy that we can follow and then also uncovering what are the things that I'm blindly following, you know, mm-hmm. and some wow. of us has those things, has the, have those things from our past. And some of us have, you know, these, these words that we follow or these rhythms that we practice that we don't realize are, are really not helping us. And I'm not yeah. saying to go on like a scavenger hunt and try to make your life perfect. Like that will never work, right. but it is helpful to realize like, oh, I've just turned off in this area of my life and just, just, I'm just trucking. Yep. And so recognizing yep. where you can, you know, um, come alive again in some areas. I thought that that was really beautiful about her book. It is such a good book. You guys are going to love it. So powerful. Mm, so good. What a what a rich, rich summer. If you have life starting back up to normal and you're out of summer mode, because summer's a state of mind. <laughs> yeah. If you're out of summer mode, we are praying a blessing and peace and 
just wisdom and rest if you can get it uh, leading into the fall. And for those of us still who still have eternal sunshine summer going on for the next like <laughs> 21 days, something like that. Um, you know what? Keep us keep us in your thoughts and prayers. <laughs> but we will uh, we'll continue to uh, bring you some fresh content every week. And we're going to, I'm sure, switch modes here in the fall. But... This has been a, a beautiful summer to survive. Why? Because surviving is holy and good and righteous. And it's all we got, people. It's all yep. we got. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll see you next week, you guys. We love you. Bye. Hey, listeners. Remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit TiffanyBloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit AshAbercrombie.org. See you next week.